0: Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man
1: Merely a two-word review of just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next That right there is a, a lot, lot of things. Welcome back to the basement of the Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chucky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual, and you are in for such a wild ride today. Glad you joined us here on Hashtag Rhythm Nation Day. Spread that one around. Um, you know, we like to do this little discologist series where we dig a little deeper into albums that either mean a whole hell of a lot to us or or part of, uh, history, I mean, a whole hell of a lot to the universe, if you will, and this one that we're talking about today, Miss Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 is certainly one of those, this album came out in 1989, and, uh, it, 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 man, I, I can't even, like, fathom the impact of it now, but it was, uh, you know, she had come off control, which made her a superstar, uh, and and people were wondering, well, she's Janet. What is she going to do next? And uh, what she did was lay down a statement, uh, a concept album about the state of the world as she saw it in 1989. That is, sadly, uh, the issue she's all talking about. Racism, sexism, uh, education in inner cities. Um just the sad state of, of America maybe uh, is, is still relevant today and and uh, maybe that's why we all picked up on a little vibe and started listening to it so a few of us did though I was one of them, Timothy and Burnside from the National Museum of African American History and Culture uh, was another one and uh, Marcus Dowling and uh, we said hey we, we we're feeling this vibe and we need to talk about this And so that's what we did for damn two hours and ten minutes, I think. And uh, so that's what you're going to hear. If you you didn't see my tweet earlier, yesterday, if you haven't done your homework on this, uh, please, go back and listen to it And uh, before diving into this. I would hate for this. This would be weird if you've never listened to this album. Uh, But if you know this album, if you love it, and you are a, a fan of Miss Jackson, and a fan of important albums, a fan of uh history shaping albums, then this is the podcast for you kids. this is a long podcast and I am done talking to you right now. Uh let's head on down to the basement where me and my friends Timothy and Burnside and Marcus Dowling are talking about Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation eighteen fourteen. Yes. guys ready? Yes. T- Timothy, have you uh, fully executed Rhythm Nation Day, the hashtag?
2: Um, the hashtag is happening. Yes. It, R- is? it is Rhythm Nation Day officially. What's yes. our? I-, I decided and declared.
1: What is our social market penetration?
2: For Rhythm Nation Day?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, how many are we reaching? If you I start a know. hashtag, come on. I, started, I mean, it was like an hour ago.
2: <laughs> give, it a- give it a minute. Yeah, but Jimmy Jam. Give a minute. Well, Jimmy Jam and I were texting.
3: Yeah, yeah. So that's,
1: that's, a, that's, that's a different not different out in the Twitterverse right? yeah. you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know,
2: but yeah, you, fair, we fair. can always bring uh, Rhythm Nation Day back when this podcast can it be every day? It can be. Well, Rhythm Nation Day is every day, obviously.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but really though.
2: But really, um, I, I
0: think.
1: But really though, uh, we've uh, <laughs> but really though we 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 we've done some nerdy things, including recently having your mom on this having segment. my mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we did
1: that, <laughs> but, but uh, this is actually uh, this is deep. Music nerd stuff, people. Because a couple of weeks ago, for no reason whatsoever, other than that there's something wrong with my brain, I started listening to like Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation, eighteen fourteen on repeat, nonstop.
2: Wait, what day was this? This
1: is about two and a half, three weeks ago.
2: Okay, because about the same time. I had an, I had a Janet Jackson day. Okay, not just for the nation. Well, I, I had I for literally twelve hours shuffled nothing but all of Janet Jackson's so records a, at home.
1: A bunch. of I was home. A bunch of there us, like if you if you look on Facebook, like a bunch of us. We're actually listening to uh, Miles Davis' the Sorcerer on the same day, like all day. I, I, See? It, it's, See? It, it's a cosmic vibration. It's, I, like, okay. a, it's, I really, like, it's like when Because
2: I just felt it that day. I was yeah. like, today is a Janet Jackson day. I literally yeah, made a exactly, playlist. Yeah, that's how And that I happened. put every single yeah. record, and I shuffled them mm-hmm. all day long.
3: It's like it's That's, like when we did the thing with George Benson, where I was just listening yes, to George Benson we one just, day, and we, I messaged we both you. Yes, we're
1: just listening to George Benson, like, hey, we're we've been listening to this. Non-stop so we had for a like Janet Jackson, weeks. we had a Janet Day at the same time. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Okay. I think I, I'm just gonna say everybody did. Y'all do. It's worldwide, but y'all listening don't have a podcast, and we do. So this Ooh, is why we get to there execute it on it. Mm-hmm. There it um it is. Uh, but uh, so I started listening to this album, and look, Janet Jackson. This was what her fourth or fifth album. Fourth. Fourth. Fourth album. And uh, it was the one before it that really made the impact in, in the 80s because, it, it, look, the Jacksons were uh, – there's no other way to put this. They were your black friend.
3: And look, Marcus, right? I mean, yes. I mean, unless, unless you're black. Yeah, and okay, then, okay. Fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like And then they're like what you aspired to right. be right. as a human being, as a young human being. In the '80s, which yeah. I grew up in the '80s, Michael. The yeah. idea of being Michael Jackson was like the epitome of your black humanity. He's the, in a lot yeah, of he, ways. he's
1: the king of pop. He's the king. He he broke the color barrier. Right. He he, land, he was the only black person on yeah. TV for like ever. And then it
3: was like <laughs> Janet was like, but You're like okay. So like the way that Janet Jackson appeared to me in my life was like, Michael Jackson has a sister. Yep.
4: And then it right. was even
3: funnier because it was like. But wait, Michael Jackson's sister was the girl of Good Times. Yeah, (laughs) what? They're the same person. Yeah, and now she has a song. And when she came out with Control, right? And and I I forgot about the album. I didn't know about the album prior. Yeah, but I definitely knew about Control. And I was like, everybody knew about Control. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this is epic. And well, you you guys were both like little kids, and I was like a
1: teenager, right? And it was. Like wild to see for the very first time, like black, white women, it didn't matter. Like women actually just being like, "Oh no, this is and, my jam." This is your jam, and honestly, it was just like, "Miss, insert your name if you're nasty,"
0: mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. became a
1: oh, thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 in the eighties, that was not a thing <laughs> that happened. Just... Um, but uh, but basically, Control was just a mega hit. It was a mega uh, moment in culture. It was. One of the most important albums of all time, I think, right? Would you say that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, is it in the museum?
2: Um, my personal cassette tape of Control is on you display, think,
3: which you stated. I
2: <laughs> and I had to write the caption and put my own credit line with my name in it because that's how you do things. <laughs> like, Excellent.
3: What we do. Excellent.
1: Um, so the question with all of this is always when a, an, an artist makes an album like that, how do you follow it up? Generally. That follow up was bullshit. We we know this. I, I don't have to go through the list of things like I made an important album and then I made an album about like soup. It just it just doesn't it doesn't work. And uh but uh her being Janet and uh and then secondary at Jackson, I, I don't know that was an option. She worked with uh Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on control. Mm-hmm. She stayed with them for, for Rhythm Nation eighteen fourteen and in nineteen eighty nine, I think she started this in nineteen eighty seven, so control yeah. was eighty six. Yeah. And started this in 1987. And to give you an idea of the landscape of of music in 1987, you have the Pixies, one of their most lauded albums, Doolittle. Paul's Boutique, which is a whole different thing uh, that we will probably talk about at some point. Uh, Because still, like, what, like 30 years later, I still haven't wrapped my head around the impact of that. Um, and, And why it might not be a good impact, but... Uh, but three feet high and rising, the cures disintegration, another thing that we're gonna uh Pretty Hate Machine, Full Moon Fever, we talked about Tom Petty. Uh you've got uh a little band called the Replacements. We're still kicking around. Prince had sold his soul and made a Batman sound. Hey man. Yo, that's a check. Hey. That's, that's
3: like five checks. <laughs> <laughs> that's like five Dude, checks I, at I once I
1: will show you guys after this I have the tin of the CD The limited edition like, so But but that's tonight. like five You can't
3: even get mad at that That's like five checks uh, at one time How many
1: people
2: watch that movie though Just for the soundtrack?
3: Oh come on Not really. at a time Really though maybe. maybe Party Man Bat Dance okay. That's still, the only reason maybe, he, I mean
1: Still And this is for Casey Eric Clapton's Journeyman
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Good, good
1: stuff right there, uh, but and and then uh, Mother's Milk had Red Hot Chili Peppers, and interestingly enough, uh, Nirvana's Bleach. Mm. Yeah, like see, so to say this was a Louder Than Love, to say this was a a remarkable year for music. Uh, I don't remember it as such, but in hindsight, this is fucking. It looks it looks fucking great, but but but, but none of them uh, and yeah. none of them were this, and and but, and Rhythm Nation started off. We're going to play a little chunk of this right now and, and then get into the discussion about what makes this album. Not just, I think, the best of all this bunch, but also it, it, it is shown, is borne out. This may be one of the best albums of all time, guys. So, uh, yeah, close. Rhythm Nation 1814, here's how it starts.
4: We are a nation with no geographic boundaries, bound together through our beliefs. We are like-minded individuals, Sharing a common vision, pushing toward a world rid of color lines.
1: Title I just want to say this. Either Janet Jackson is a cool ass time traveler. Or people just suck. Because if you heard this in 1989 and were like, fuck, we're dealing with what are what are we dealing with? Wait, what are we talking And about? and yeah. this is this is before Rodney King. You have to remember, this is yeah. this weird middle period of stuff. And you could drop this at any point this year, it and it is one thousand percent relevant still, as is the rest of the album, which we're going to get into. But that in in particular, this is as uh, I don't know if our friend uh, Aaron Abernathy took inspiration from this for Generation. Uh, this well, is well, this is course, the nineteen eighty nine version of Generation. Yeah, the slide and in there. I don't know, course. like like I said, maybe she's a time traveler.
3: She is, but so yeah. So I want to make some points about like. Black R&B in 1989. um It's probably one of the most like interesting times in rhythm and blues, like of uh, in 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 modern in the modern era. So you have like this this like you know kind of like slow R&B soul song thing that people were thinking was the thing. It's like Anita Baker and Whitney Houston, and these like big orchestral, beautiful, mm-hmm. giant songs where people have giant hair, like Patti Labelle.
2: Giant hair.
3: Like giant hair, ball gowns. Shoulder pads. Shoulder pads, <laughs> the whole deal. Yeah. And then there's this like dance-friendly, techno-friendly R&B that's emerging. So there was a conversation in Mount Elementary School. There was a group of us who were like music nerds. We would meet up at lunch. This is, I know this is hard to believe in my life. That <laughs> I used to meet up with fellow music nerds at lunch. We would talk about music, but we would. And so we used to have these long, prolonged conversations as to who was a better producer. Was it Teddy Riley or was it Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis?
0: Mm.
3: And that was a big thing because the drum machine coming into R&B and the influence of house music and techno into R&B were huge things because it changed the conversation. It made R&B into pop music like directly in a way that like 12-year-old kids in Iowa – or 14-year-old kids in Los Angeles could listen to Rhythm and Blues and be like, this is my music too. Mm-hmm. So when you listen to Rhythm Nation, there's things about the construction of the song that are important. There's a drum machine like triple hit that's straight out of my prerogative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bobby Brown. I was
2: going to say, because I hadn't, you didn't actually say New Jack Swing. Right. And I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. getting in there. Because I'm getting into, into that, into there. right? Because it all comes together. Right. right. I'm
3: getting into that because.
2: I see, I see where you're going. Yeah, I see yeah, yeah. You're going with this.
3: So there's this like big thing. There's this thing called New Jack Swing. It's a thing that was in 89. A, like, it finally had a name. Because the name comes from song that Teddy Riley produced for Rex and Effect,
0: mm-hmm.
3: which is my favorite song of 1989, by the way. Called New Jack Swing. Um,
1: I think if if anybody saw the film New Jack City, which everybody did, yeah, but that comes by ninety two.
3: But that comes by ninety two, right? But that's, so when, you have that's a, when the rest of the world thought, right, it. Yeah. right. But the but there was like so like it's intriguing because at the top end of this, you have all of these groups. You have Guy, which is Teddy Riley's like trio with the Hall brothers, doing like Teddy's Jam, which is film you know, Jam. Oh, jam, <laughs> jam. It's the best, you know, and everybody's laughing because it's iconic. And then you had uh, the Any Heartbreak remix, like new edition had a song called Any Heartbreak and they remixed it in 89. And it's like probably five and a half minutes of your life that if you really love R&B music, like you need to listen to this like ASAP. It's like iconic. It's incredible. And at this point, you're th- you're starting to think that like, Terry, you know, Jimmy J Terry Lewis, Aren't as relevant as a guy like Teddy Riley, who's making music with younger artists, artists that aim in a younger direction. Because, like, you had Jamie Lewis, who were working with, like, Alexander O'Neill and doing, like, fake and songs like that, which were, like, songs that, like, my mom liked. Mm. So, like, my mom is can, a fan of jibby jam and terry lewis can i ask a really dumb question right ask now away. like how
1: how prevalent was dance music at
3: this point because like for oh, you for, could trip for, over it. for
1: little me in, in in lynchburg like this did not register in, in
3: urban in urban friendly music markets it was you could trip over it okay especially in dc like you could trip over dance music like so the idea of a drum machine w- was because perfectly normal like yeah because because hip house is on the rise uh-huh so, like, Girl Al House You comes out in 89 mm. by the Jungle Brothers. That's a thing. So, like, you know, from, like, literally from, like, beginning to end of the day, from, like, the drive time morning to, like, late night dance mix, there's a drum machine on, like, 75% of yeah. urban radio at this point, okay. which is uh, insane. And then if you watch MTV, which I did when I would go for my buddy Dominique's and watch BETV when I go for mm. my buddy Dominique's who had cable. and I didn't have cable. Like I, I had, had like. friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my friend had cable. So we <laughs> were Friends with cable. Yeah, so like seventy five percent of what you're watching on MTV at this point right. also has a drum machine up under it. So all the drums are are programmed in such a way and the thing that makes this album important to get this back to this record that yeah. we love
0: yeah.
3: is that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis like had, you know, orchestrated the Minneapolis sound with Prince. Which is a very, like, you know, iconic thing. And, and this was, this was written and r- largely recorded in Minneapolis. Right. right. It was recorded yeah. In yeah. 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 So the thing is, is, like, other artists that had borrowed the Minneapolis sound, like, I always use Alexander O'Neill because the songs that they made with him are amazing. Like, the stuff that they did, like, Saturday Love with Sherelle is astounding. Like these are just right. great, beautiful songs. It has like eighty six, so like by this point, the idea that the Minneapolis sound is stale mm. is a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's right. I mean, I mean, I just listened to Purple Rain today, and I was just like, "Fuck, this is awesome." This is like same people working on it. Some yeah, same people right. working on it, and yeah, in hindsight, it
3: would have been
1: very like, stale actually. But
3: this. Because the time weren't operating anymore, were they? They they weren't they were as a touring band,
1: right? right? But they were, they weren't operating on the charts.
3: No, like this is this is just after the Ice Cream Castles album had yeah, come out. Yeah, yeah. Which that, yeah. you know you got the Bird, you got which, Jungle Love. Which,
1: look, look, it's in the eighties. Like it, it was all about the charts, right? Like so, I mean, they, now they I don't bird, know so
3: much. But they but. had the Bird and Jungle Love, so I'm thinking that they're just kind of like spending the Bird and Jungle Love money, mm-hmm. which was a yeah. lot of money. So, <laughs> a There's so, a lot of fucking. Oh, so they're money. good. So you have this era. Was there graffiti bridge money? I not, <laughs> we don't we don't, talk, we don't speak of graffiti bridge money. We speak of graffiti bridge graffiti bridge legacy. So uh, it, it's important to note that the thing that makes this album great is that rap and the influence of sampling hits this record in a certain way because because rhythm nation as a single is not anything without the sampling of the baseline from thank you for letting me be myself again mm-hmm. by Slying the family stone and there was and and it's this like weird mishmash where like jimmy jamber Terry lewis you could probably speak to this better than i ever could i'm just looking at you because i know you know um the idea mm-hmm. that you could improve upon a thing that everybody thought was perfect by right. the influence of rap which is this thing that's kind of like bubbling under everything, like from house music to techno to hip house to new jack swing to then you get to this record, and then there's a sample that's like standing out in the middle of like yeah. the the not the lead single, but the most like but the uh, the the um, most impactful, the impactful girl, most perhaps. impactful, impactful and, song and, on and, the record,
1: and and the format that's just simply not known for samples, right? So like, the, R&B and and, and the this area she operates you know, in right. like, her
2: quote unquote lane, lane right. her lane, her lane right.
1: you know was known for the live players yeah. not but there's the a production big old, innovation there's a
3: big old sample because the thing about the thank you for let me be myself again sample is that that slap bass yeah. comes in in such a way on that song that it doesn't sound like it's on a record like it's so clean that you can sample it Without having to clean it right. up, right. and it right. hits on a song that has a drum machine. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be a level of genius that is, like, in the top 0.1% of music to understand that you could take the slap bass, thank you for letting me I, be myself again, and put it with the drum machine and not worry about the drum machine watering down the sample. Which is always the thing when you take, like, the, the, the dirty, dusty James Brown cuts and drum machines and rap. Like, of that era, they sound awkward together, but in a way yeah, that's, like, yeah. dissonant and punky in a way that, like, rapping that era is punk rock influenced in a way. But, like, this is just so clean uh-huh. that working against that drum machine, it just, like, elevates the thing. And you're like, okay. A lot of people didn't even know it was a sample. Then. Right. No. Because,
2: it, because no. it 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 gels so well. Yeah, it's like. And- and that is the brilliance of Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis right. and, and, I, and their I, ability and willingness to embrace what's happening and not just continuously exist in the space that they created. Right. They're willing to bring in other elements and like be in the present and the future. Yep. In right. terms of their production.
1: Yeah. And I want to I want to play an example of this this was actually the first single because you had to ease people into this like you Mm -hmm. could not yeah we should backtrack we should backtrack you you should because because here's the thing the social
3: context will be important after playing this
1: put this put this in the social context of like if you're talking about the nation like you're talking about the nation of islam and, and you're co opting that for, mm-hmm. as a rhythm nation.
2: Well, not necessarily. Not
1: necessarily, but that's one connotation. Well, right? but
2: she actually said, I was thinking of this musical community of people. She was, and we have a nation that comes no, together around the music. But so in no the way. external, but the external world <laughs> interprets it.
1: Yeah. Right? In Richmond, Virginia, I, I, I understand. Right. I understand the intent. There's the intent,
2: and then there's the there's way it's
1: perceived. Absolutely zero chance that. Uh, a white person anywhere on the planet hearing, or a black person for that matter, hearing nation, and a song about civil rights and and right. a good society does not make that connection. Yeah, but right. so they had to sneak into it, and and to that point, they snuck into it with, with uh, Noah Berman, is a friend of mine. It's one of his favorite songs, actually. Let me so, know it today. It's so uh, smooth and but it, so good, and it also uses drum machines. And if you think about it, you know I mentioned uh, Pretty Hate Machine was out this year, <laughs> hmm? like.
3: It's kind of industrial. The whole album is kind of well, industrial. It's very industrial. because of, because but... of techno and Detroit, you know? Like this is, is
2: Missy. They
1: Yeah, is like come on. Yeah, you, I mean, uh, we have music that jams today in 2017. It was made in 1989, and, and this is not a nostalgic sound. This sound it sounds like I, I like post-apocalyptic films. They resonate pretty hard in 2017. Yeah, but all this, of them. this, and she emulated this in the videos for this mm-hmm. a lot. Not in this particular one, but uh, but this feels like music from beyond and mm-hmm. yet that's a that's a classic soul like emotional hook mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not the type of girl who likes to be tell your mama tell your friends mm-hmm. and then I'm not the type of girl who likes to be alone that is so fuck that yeah. is right. she's
2: look. she's she's demonstrating the kind the same old same old message right like mm-hmm. i miss my man i want my man mm-hmm. back blah, yeah. blah 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 but yet you cannot hear like it was all i could do just now not to get up and dance to that right. song so it's this amazing way to be like expressing this you know right so overdone kind of you know message in a brand new fresh mm-hmm. way that has like it just calls to you mm-hmm. to get up and move
3: right like i think one of the cool things also again to to speak to the notion of rap's influence in this in this era um, again, rap is like by 89, like a, a, an ascendant mainstream crossover sound. So J- every James Brown record in 1989 is like the most important record. So like a song like think by Lynn Collins mm-hmm. yeah, is, is important. Yeah. So like, you have to look at like, and I always look at like Janet, when you listen to these songs again, I, and you were just, you spoke to a Timothy, when we were off mic. Like when you, like you listen to like the funk in her voice. Yep, and it's like it's like every bit of like Ann Peebles and Lynn Collins and all of like anybody who had anything to do with like all those like really hard James Brown records, yeah. yeah. Where it's like the the female like vocalist is like iconic and speaking to like her sexual desire Mm -hmm. as like a political desire, which is makes every single and we'll get to some more of the ballads I'm sure on this album, Yeah, yeah, for sure. But they're all like political. In a way where it's like, my desire is first. Yes. My choice is first. Mm-hmm. I am still in control. Right. Exactly. There it is.
1: The callback. The, the, the callback. The but, call but, but she said she
3: very explicitly <laughs> said she didn't want to make a, a no, control exactly. two. No, exactly. She's
2: not making us a control right. part two yeah. at
3: all. But there's but there's but that but that political thing is very much in there and it's crazy because when you hear a lot of these songs in this era, it's, it's crazy because, like, okay, so this era also was, like, okay, so Janet Jackson is at the top end of this. Mm-hmm. Like, so people who don't understand this era will, like, look at Janet and be like, Janet was the only woman who sang R&B in the whole entire universe for young people. Yeah. Which yeah. is not the case. Because you have, like, Pebbles yeah, who's uh, you is. know, who's uh, Babyface's wife, who at this point is a very Mercedes strong Boy career, yeah. and all, and she has like you know, a song called Girlfriend, and yeah. she has Mercedes Boy, and all these songs. But the thing was is like, and these songs are all largely like these like political, politicized. Like I am a woman, I demand my control. Anthems like people don't understand when Control came out, it made every single woman in R and B sing a song about how they wanted everything.
1: But the well, thing—it it was the song "Respect" in album form. Yeah, exactly. So but, and long overdue,
3: right? But the so. thing is that Janet, because she's Janet, and because she's that much better than everybody else, like could sing it in a way where it was like believable, and uh, because you could listen to like every other song on like Urban Radio at that point, and they were all on Urban Radio. Like there's there like eighteen songs an hour. Like it was crazy. And like at a certain point in 89, you had like three quarters of them were like, young black woman singing about empowerment. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, but I don't believe you. I believe her. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the songwriting and the delivery of the vocal is such that you're like, I get it. And that speaks, I think, to the fact that given that Cesar Jackson, she was raised in that tradition. Like Michael Jackson performing James Brown was a thing. Right. And she grew up around those records and she grew up around that intention. And she grew up around her mother who was the wife of Joe Jackson. Right. That's not a weak woman <laughs> yeah. by any stretch, you know? Mm-hmm. So like there's a lot of stuff in there. And, you know, I mean Well,
2: and she's she's let's I mean, to be to be real, Janet has never, you know, said that she has the greatest voice in the world. Right. Or the you know what I mean? She she's not a power whitney. ballad singer she's right. not a whitney person but she's never tried or pretended to be right. that either and so what she's able to do with her voice is be authentic and right. be convincing from a place that is that is real and that is truthful and that is genuine she's not over singing she's not under singing right she's able to be in a comfort zone here on rhythm nation you can tell on control she's she's figuring that out yeah right in terms of her her actual vocals yeah. she's figuring it out she does that of an amazing job Don't right get me wrong it's it's be- it's beautiful but here in the nation there's this she finds this from what i can hear anyway this comfort zone in terms of her singing um that really expresses and just backs up what she is singing about right in a way that is accessible and understandable and relatable because there are moments like this record you know you're you're happy and you're angry at the same time you're empowered and you're sad you're you're you know you feel exactly and Mm -hmm. listening to it today and yesterday and (laughs) you know this week and and whatever yeah but you know this record speaks to all of the same things that we are dealing with right now but what's amazing about it is that yeah you hear rhythm nation and you're like fuck i'm Need to change the world. Right. But I'm going to dance it out right exactly. now. You know,
4: and, well, and I actually, it's
1: amazing. I had a thing. I went to get something, uh, and a guy was given uh, a, a grocery cashier a little guff. And she was like, Yeah, I almost was like, We're going to have to have a dance off about this. I mean, look, that might be a solution to everything. I mean, we might be doing it wrong. If
2: everybody just got up and danced every once in a while, the world oh,
1: yeah. would be a much. Like instead worse. of pulling out a gun, just kids. Next time you're thinking about something, you have a conflict, just dance it off.
2: Right.
4: Just just watch well, the and, video and to that's, beat it. I
2: mean, I you you there are a lot of songs on this on this record where you feel again like all of those emotions simultaneously, yeah. and you're moving around like and, and and the the way that that again going back to like her vocals that that her voice just you know. Comes through all of that. Yeah. And it's all, it's the simultaneous feeling of being like called to action and soothed, Mm -hmm. you know, like all at once. And it's just, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That's
1: actually a good lead into this song because I want to play another one of the pop songs. Oh, get people acclimated. And then, because there is a a supremely um, executed balance of pop, acumen, and, uh, and political activism mm-hmm. that we sit down here and talk about, mm-hmm. and that artists sometimes talk about. But in spending so much time with this in the past, like few weeks, like I struggle to find like any other album that really does this that well. Because you can, you can, you can reach for this, you can pull it off your shelf, and you are gonna have like, ah, oh, this is just my jam and this is my thing. And then all right. of a sudden, you are gonna get hit in the side of the head and in the heart. Mm-hmm. With a call to action. A call
2: to action, a reminder. Not preaching. That, no, not not in a preachy way. No. A reminder that there's work to be done. That people are in a really shitty place right, right. now all over the world, yep. which is a constant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, it's okay to take a minute in between those moments to be in love. Yeah. Or to not be in love, to be longing and- or to be grateful. You know you get all of that and to that and to that point the, the
1: song we're gonna play is actually it's important like being in love and and like sharing love like is important to that the piece I guess that she's preaching mm-hmm. here, uh but this is love will never do without you mm. Mm-hmm. Love will never do without you. I mean, consider just break those words apart. Love will never do. Love can't exist without you. Mm -hmm. Like, hidden in this love song and this, like, jubilant video... Uh, that That's is a good a, word for the video, jubilant. Yeah, that, that, that is...
3: That I don't know is, if
2: many guys would use that word to describe this video. but Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I described Super
3: Mario Odyssey as, as... I like your delightful. PC version. I have, I have a different word for it, but I okay. won't say it. Um, yeah, it's wild. But, uh,
1: you know, it even in a love song like this, it is a call to action.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And... I mean, look. That simply takes a genius level of awareness. This doesn't happen by accident. This doesn't have people when when you talk about songs that uh, in the social activism space, like they're very intent. And you can either have a very literal song, like is a lot of Bob Dylan's catalog or Neil Young's, or or stuff, or you can have something like this that is so. Like sublimely and perfectly subversive, that you had everybody listening to this song and not understanding that they were just getting the message
0: drilled into their head.
3: Yeah, I will tell you the, the most subversive thing about this song to me, in retrospect, like after listening to it and like breaking it down, um, it's like tears for fears and mm-hmm. like it's like tears for fears and Duran Duran meets like R and B. Mm-hmm. and that's the secret of it. Because when this song hit, this song hit in the summer, I want to say, of 89. Yes. Summer to fall of 89. Yeah. Actually, yes. I'll, tell, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Maybe.
2: I distinctly remember dancing around in in
1: the kitchen. No, October '99. I think it was... Wow, okay.
2: I think it was a year later. This is All another right. thing... Because that, I this, was 10. This is
1: another thing to note is that this album cycle was from... Missy Munch released in August twenty second, nineteen eighty nine, and State of the World in February nineteen
3: ninety one. Yeah, these are long these are, these you, are these you, long cycle albums. It's crazy, but, but um, you you
1: were ten around the table. I was ten in yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah,
2: and I, let me just say, yeah, when I first heard this song, I was so excited because she was singing in a lower register. <laughs> and first of all, I was like, who is this? Right? And I was like, this is Dan Jackson. Oh shit! Yeah, I, I didn't say oh shit because I was ten. Um, and I was like, yay, I can sing along. And then she fucking changed octaves. And I was like, God damn it, Janet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't sing up there with you. So young Timothy would not say shit, but she would say, God damn it. Well, I wouldn't have said that, maybe. But, but I
2: was, I mean, it was like, then I realized, oh, she can, she can really do it all. You know, like it, it was just Uh. this, and there's, um. You know, there are a lot of interesting stories about how this song ended up on this record that I won't necessarily get into. Um, uh, But what I really love about it is that it's such a standout moment, but it still fits in um, into the whole Rhythm Nation package. Mm -hmm. But man, this, this, that, that song the 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 way again the way that she sings it and you just you're like yes Janet I'm there with you yeah I'm 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 feeling this with you
3: like there's a thing about this whole album that like it needs to be said it's um it's like because because for me it's like so like okay so like one of the key if you go to Decades Nightclub one of the most important things that was in in the creation of Decades Nightclub for me was this album. Like, the idea of creating a Rhythm Nation within a 12,000 square foot space was, like, my goal every single damn day. (laughs) Like, it's a real thing. Like, there's, like, actually a written statement that I, like, wrote and I sent to everybody who had anything to do with the club. You can ask Antonis. he will tell you. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
3: I sent this, like, 800-word statement. I wrote it in, like, a fever dream at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. And it involved the statement, like, we are part of a decades nation. Mm. and i sent it and and Thomas was like no this is we we need to like make this more of like a statement that's like inclusive without the politics
0: mm.
3: and i was like okay that's fine mm. but in my head the whole time was this record yeah and it was stuff like that it was stuff like okay i was thinking of like the biggest songs that i could think of and so like on this album that, that's it's one of the biggest yeah. songs. Like there's a and whenever I think of the song, like to speak to the video.
2: I was gonna say, but then you add the level that the visuals for the song right. brought because the whole in the desert the rest of the record she's she's militant Janet. She's yeah. she's I mean, minus the black cat video, which we are gonna talk just, about yeah. as just, well. Just, um but yeah. you know, when this came out, you know, the Miss You Much out song video um and imagery and the Rhythm Nation imagery are relatively similar. Right. She's covered, you know, from neck down, neck down hats, the gloves, the whole deal. You know, this is where we have that that the key earring, you know, yeah. really be prominently featured throughout. Um, so many Halloween costumes, by the way. I don't know if mm. y'all I, – I was in Chicago. I wasn't here for Halloween, but I saw all the Janet costumes on social media, and that will never go away. I love that people are Janet Jackson, Rhythm Nation era for Halloween. Beautiful. For all time. <laughs> um, but – You know, then the love will never do video drops and she's like sexy Janet and she's showing her abs and she's got her hair all swept up and she's smiling into the camera and she's being, you know, like seductive and there are all these beautiful men in the video too and it's black and white and you're in the desert and you're like, what is happening? I'm just going to come along for this ride. I don't really know. But she ex- exposes this other softer side of her that is in such juxtaposition with the rest of the visuals thus far for the record. Right. Where you just, again, it's one of those moments you can't help but just get swept up in the moment. And you're like, this is Janet too. Like, okay. And she's also super hot. And, and th- there's that. I mean, and not that she isn't always super hot. But it wasn't, though... To the point where it was distracting. And that's one thing I've admired about Janet her whole career is that even when she's at her most, like, super fucking sexy, it's not in a way that is distracting from from the music and from the overall right. presentation of what she's doing, you know, because she owns it in a way that is just so special and unique.
1: She, she owns it, and it also is the way things should be done. I think this comes from just growing up in the Jackson fan. They're stars, Right. Right, and and they got to and and but they were stars, and then they all got to define what a star could be. And and somebody mm-hmm. in that family said exactly what you just said. It's not about the sex appeal. No, it's all about the sex appeal. Figure out the balance, and I think they did, and I think she did, like explicitly, like that. Because, like I said, she can, and and you go further down albums like Velvet Rope, you know, down down the road a little bit. <laughs> One and, one of
3: the five sexiest whoa. albums whoa. ever right, right. made ah, right. in the history ah. of the universe.
1: <laughs> you just... right, so so you can you can oh, you, you can go down uh, her career and see these points where she just zigs and zags in and out, where she's using her agency as a woman. Yes, and yes, and exactly and being like, this is the time to sell it. This is the time to not. This is the time we are talking about a universal thing. This is the time I'm going to use this. Thing that you think is just all about sex to talk about a universal thing, and you're not going to know until I've got you.
3: It's like getting okay. So like every time this album gets sexy, it just it's like it's like a smack over the head, like like just to like it's like to keep okay. So like there's a a, a moment where Lauren Hill says, "I added a motherfucker so you ignorant could hear me." Mm-hmm. Same way she uses sex on this album. Right. So yeah. like if you're like if you're like tuning out because. Politics are just too much, and oh my God, why is this suddenly like? Because think about it: in 1989, we had just elected George Bush as president. Mm -hmm. So this is like for people who don't get that, it was like okay. So like when I was a kid, I was like I've I've been political since I was like seven. It's a little 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 scary. Think about it now, but um, we had just elected Bush, and I was out for that campaign. I did a thing with C-SPAN. Where I was a Michael Dukakis surrogate for the entire, <laughs> for the entire campaign. <laughs> and I had to like go on C SPAN. I don't
2: even know what that means. And wow. talk. And, and, like, I
3: do it. It's hilarious. And, oh I, and, and like vocalize <laughs> and present as oh Lord. Michael Dukakis. <laughs> and my buddy Kamathi Tull. This explains
1: so much, brother.
3: Yeah, my buddy Kamathi <laughs> Tull had to be George Bush. So if Kamathi Tull is out there listening. Like, he had to be George Bush. So, and it's funny because, like, Kamathi's like, sisters are named, like, Nzinga and Hatshepsut. So, like, given that he was George Bush, that's actually really funny. Mm -hmm. And I was Michael Dukakis. So, like, you know, watching that, that was, like, the first election where I became politicized. And this is at a time for black people where, like, you know, like, relative, like, wealth is, like, a relative thing. You're like, oh, like, okay, if you were poor... Then this is like t- maybe for like my mom, so, like, like I grew up kind of poor. So like my mom, like this is like the first era where like relative wealth was a thing. Like she could access numerous credit cards and like life was pretty good. Like I was telling Kevin earlier, like we have more food in the refrigerator.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I was like, I was a fat kid growing up. So like more <laughs> food in the refrigerator was like a thing. I was like, this is dope. Like we could have pizza like three nights a week
0: mm-hmm.
3: and McDonald's. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the fact my mom was making more money. I like the fact that black people are winning. So, then George Bush gets right elected, and, it, and then and then you're like, "Ugh, so this guy is like this guy is like Ronald Reagan, but doesn't have the charisma." So I don't feel as happy about getting screwed over as I used to. <laughs> like used to like it used to be like, "Oh yeah, we're poor, but the president is awesome. He's just entertaining."
0: <laughs> God, I don't know
2: if I've ever thought.
3: It's isn't, like, it, isn't that yeah. what Trump thinks is going on right now? Of course he does. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like Trump thinks to say thing because Trump loves himself some Reagan, yeah. you could tell. He's like, just say no to heroin, Donny Bubba. You're it's not, not, the, case. So, <laughs> so it's not like, the case. So it was wild. Like it was a wild time. So like this album comes out uh-huh. at a point for me where it was like, okay. So, like, the world – and this is, like, the first time we're like, you know, I'm, like, in double-digit ages. I'm, like, 11. So, like, I'm starting to, like – You have a different kind
2: of appreciation for Janet Jackson now than maybe the last Right. So,
3: at 11, I'm, like, all right. So, the world is weird. Like, this is awkward. Like, we have money, but we're not happy about it. We have access to things, but we're not happy about it. Okay. This is awkward. And then there's this record that kind of, like, shepherds you into, like, understanding, like, the lay of the land in, like, a larger – since. And it also then,
2: makes it okay for you to feel frustrated. Yeah, and that, and, and her fr- yeah. there are there's a lot of frustration on this record. There's a lot of angst on this record, right. and there's a lot of you know like pushback. To it's interesting how she pushes back on you know these fictional you know figures right. in the songs. Yeah, but taking out of that individualized context, you kind of see how she's pushing it back against. You know, what's happening in in the country, what's happening in the world in a much broader sense and speaking to these issues in a way that's like, I'm directing my anger at this guy. Right. right? In whatever song it is. Yeah. But, you know, I don't understand, like, in in Blackhead, I don't understand why you insist on doing all these things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, But she's talking to this guy in the song, but really she's talking to the world being like, what the fuck, y'all? Like, yeah. This is this is these are much larger issues. I'm just gonna put it. I'm gonna put, also, it, put it to you in this in this one way. Right. But like, <laughs> also, it's bigger it's a, than
1: that. This is a giant middle finger to just meddle in period. Just being like,
2: oh, black cat. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like y'all. Like, just, you want you want some rock and well, roll? I can be rock yeah, and roll. Yeah. She gets rock and roll. Uh, She had. Uh, David Barry was in the studio making this, but Nuno Betancourt from Extreme. Yo. Uh actually was on the radio edit doing some work on this. And Nuno
3: Betancourt also plays for Rihanna. Yeah.
1: He does. And uh, and and he uh he's an amazing guitarist. And... More than words
3: is also my wedding song. In case anybody wants to get married to me, you gotta have to walk down <laughs> the aisle to More Than Words. But we'll oh talk.
0: <laughs>
1: oh my god.
3: <laughs> but uh but yeah, on
1: Black Cat, uh he she. Blue shit up because in Blue shit up. Let us let's 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 parse what we have here. We have R and B. Yeah. On this album before this. Yeah. R and B, we have soul, we have some industrial.
3: Yeah. What else? Tech got some techno, you got some house, you got some rap, you got all that stuff. And then
1: And then Girl's gonna go and drop some some literal heavy metal. Actual metal. And then black cat.
4: Had to stick to yeah,
1: yeah, no, that, that song's amazing. So that great. is um uh, like I said, it's a middle finger to the rockism that was going on there and saying, like, look you guys, we can do this too. But to that point, it it, it was very important because look at the audiences that are gonna be listening to this album. Mm-hmm. Soul R and B audiences. What is the chance that they're gonna listen to a metal album? Kinda slim. Slim to none. Metal Bros.
2: Not buying Janet Jackson tapes. What we talked
1: no. What we talked about though, using her sex appeal.
2: Well, right,
1: right. So they're watching her videos. They're watching her videos. So like they're just like, and I believe in the video she got uh, Billy Idol's guitarist Stephen Stephen Smith, I think mm-hmm. is his name, uh, to play, even though he didn't play on the record. And so you've got this like cross current of 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 stuff again, bringing people into this thing. Of being like, you know what's gonna you know what's gonna help fix us? Like we find this unified place. Exactly. And that may be the most subversive song of the eighties. It's,
3: it's crazy. Like um You can't I mean uh, yeah, because you can't <laughs> Yeah, I was I was a I was a metalhead, you know that. Uh, yeah, I know this. that. I was a giant metalhead at this But point. you were you were rare. Your no, friends I was were rare. I was rare. I was really, really rare. And like Black Cat was, like, the first time. So, like, I was ostracized in, in, in elementary school. This, this whole album is, like, speaks to, like, fifth grade
4: mm.
3: in my life. So, like, I was, like, ostracized throughout fifth grade. Like, comically, to the point where it was, like. Because just, of metal? Just, yeah, but largely because I had, like. Okay, so, like, I liked the music that the kids who picked on me didn't like. Mm. So that I could be left alone. Mm-hmm. That was my big idea. It was like, okay, you like you like rap, well, I like metal. You sure it wasn't because you liked Solange better than Beyonce? Well, that that's the truth. That comes but, later. Yeah, that comes much later. <laughs> yeah. But any anyway, of it. Fits. So I was. <laughs> they knew. Like,
1: they could smell it. Yep.
3: Yeah. So uh, So no, I was like, okay, so like you guys like rap, I like metal. There you go. So know, uh, yeah, you guys like 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 hip house. I like actual techno. Oops. So you know, like yeah, you guys are screwed. You can't make fun of me. So Black Cat was the first time that, like, I had conversations with, like, the coolest. Okay, so, like, let me think. Um, shout out to Patrick Quinn, who probably be listening to this podcast. Mm. Patrick Quinn was the coolest kid in the fifth grade. Patrick Quinn was a fan of, like, everything that I hated. He loved, like, LL Cool J and, like, Run DMC and, like, all this rap stuff that, like, I was like, okay, it's cool. But, like, you guys like it, so I can't like it because I don't want you guys to pick on me and make me, like, recite the words to I'm bad and I can't do that. So the first time I ever had a conversation with like the coolest person in my life was because he listened to Black Cat and he was like, "Why do I like this song?" Mm. And I was like, "Um, Bon Jovi, um, right. Poison, um, all these bands that are awesome and kick ass. They this song is all of that stuff in one song. So like, if you ever need to like catch up on all the music that I've like listened to in real life, it's all here. Yeah." And that's what makes it great because it like it literally forced black people to listen to metal. That and this is and this is the the key to make without that,
2: even realizing it, right? Without even often. realizing
3: it, because that's like, the point with like living color, which yeah, comes out of living this. Living because color, yeah. let's talk. Shout out to the Black Rock Coalition. Shout out to like
2: yeah, this is eighty nine ninety.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So shout out to all those guys it's in Brooklyn. It. Where where was Michael at this point with this?
1: Because he eventually like did his. I can't did, remember his before. or did after this before.
3: He did Dirty Diana yeah. before this.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
3: So, okay. like cuz I was going to mention Dirty Diana was like the song for me that was like oh, like there's there's rock it's yeah. happening like there's a big old like big old riff in Dirty Diana that's just like oh that's that's everything yeah it's a hard yeah. song yeah and then it's like but this was the one again that for every black person that like kind of liked rock and roll it was like your moment to like stand up and be like
2: me me right. me, right. me. Right. and then for And she's proving th- a lot of points right by, by, she's, she's proving a point by, by just by doing rock and roll period. But she's also saying, okay, y'all think I'm just this, like, uh, you know, my music is based on technology and, and, you know, equipment and it's not, you know, whatever. Okay. here Here's the video for this song and it's going to be a live
4: mm-hmm.
2: performance yeah, yeah, yeah. of me. With a band, with a guitarist, I'm gonna headbang. Yeah, you know it's gonna be demonstrating like a white dress shirt, the 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 yeah. button down white dress yeah. shirt tucked with the, or not not tucked in. Sorry, tied, tied at tied. the
4: waist, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, white shirt that she then sweats through. And not that I was, you know, but I mean, come on, <laughs> how do you not see that? Um,
3: eleven. And it's, Timothy, and it's, I was eleven.
2: I was yeah. Uh, Twelve. Fair. You should have this... seen The
1: Wardrobe Failure coming. I mean, I'm just... No. <laughs> no.
2: But what's amazing, you know, is, is here's another image that she's presenting from this record. So it's an interesting combination of the militant, you know, like harder um, visuals of Rhythm Nation, the song, and, you know, Miss You Much even, with the Love Will Never Do, the little softer, yeah. mm-hmm. more sexy side, and with Black Cat in terms of the video and the presentation, she puts the both together in a really amazing way. But, and it's also demonstrating a level of not vulnerability, but of just realness on her part. Yeah. Because, you know, she's, she's not presenting this video that is made to perfection. Right. It's, it's a, it's a moment. Mm -hmm. She's giving us another moment, you know, and it's, it's amazing. And yeah, who doesn't, you're the, we were just talking about, you know, how the song was playing, like the bon Jovi little drums, like yeah. this, the, that, all with their elements. At Rode, and again, at it,
3: Tom, yeah, it's, yeah the road.
2: right, you remember <laughs> the gigantic Rode. kits of those days,
3: yeah, it's like, um,
2: but and it's it's shout another, it shout outs another moment in terms of the production level with this record that that you know, it, it's not like, um, they're not living in a bubble in terms of what's happening on the production end. Like they're very much thinking about being as inclusive as possible to get these other sounds, yeah, and to get these other sounds out of her. I mean, again, think about her vocals in this in which, this track too.
1: Which I think I, I don't know if we expect that back then or now uh, in our production, in our people who are making art for for pop. I mean, there's a uh, a big thing today uh, or two days ago, I guess, uh, where the CMA awards are coming up.
4: Yes. Mm.
1: And uh, CMA foolishly put out something saying, okay, but you can't ask any of our artists about guns or any <laughs> politics. Well, I didn't see this. Yeah, now? yeah. 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 So, so they couldn't yeah. ask. Their... I this week has been a little busy. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're hanging out with Obama. It's
3: okay. Bro, you broke the internet.
2: I mean, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> But... <laughs>
1: so 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 and now you're in a basement Now
2: i'm in a basement so
1: what's up yeah
2: it's cool
1: it's Um, all good so so uh yeah so they basically were like you can't talk about these things and these because it was entertainment and and again Mm. back to a point i made earlier if you are an artist that wants to dip your toes into making a series, i mean i personally think if you have a platform right now and you aren't Doing something and speaking out about it either in your art or like just in public, like you mm-hmm. are complicit, full stop like there is no career period worth just glossing over the things mm-hmm. that are affecting like the people around you but and that's just me, I'm not speaking for anybody else here but.
2: So wait, they actually issued, they actually said... They said, they said you, you cannot, cannot... talk about these particular if you things. you talk, about, you
1: can't talk about these, and if you do, your press, cr- press credentials will be revoked. Yes.
2: So, okay, I just have to put this out there, and this is going to be a total sidebar, but this kind of feels like there's something resonating still from Beyonce being on the awards
3: last year. Absolutely. You might be right.
2: And the pushback that they got for that, which was a fucking an amazing moment. That was an amazing, beautiful moment. performance. The
3: best thing the, the best, best thing that happened that night. Like, yeah. let's just
2: be honest. And not just because it's Beyonce. No, we're getting
3: there. This is... but but that's,
2: into it, yeah. Right. So so then fast forward to a year later and they're being proactive about what people can or cannot say or do in mm. a way that... um okay. That's... That's offensive. That's really interesting. So, Brent no, Hay- Brent,
1: no, last, November happened, used, yeah, last November happened. And, but yeah, last November happened.
2: But Brett. yeah, but I things, mean, you didn't see the BET awards or whatever other awards. Someone that's happened since November yeah. issue anything like that.
3: Well, I mean, but you you know no. No, you I'm win. just saying. I I, I agree. A, with you. As the last bastion, somebody of, of out there is going to be music. doing a
2: think piece about the relationship between this messaging from them and the Beyonce performance and the reaction to that. I it's think that, gonna I happen. I think that's
3: our podcast. You might be sitting here.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> he he might, might I have be. just given him. Might, damn might, it, Marcus!
0: I could have written that <laughs> shit. <laughs> 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 shit.
3: Anyways,
1: back on track. You, but, you but can that, have it. You but can to relate it all back, is that is that is that Janet Jackson was able to with this album pull that all into say all the things basically. Right. Oh, and, and be like, "You know what? Yeah, we're gonna talk about we're this. We're gonna talk My about t- this. It's about the drug epidemic yeah. specifically in the black community." Right. right. It's right. a metal right.
3: song yeah. about the about drugs in the black community. Let's just point that out. That's yeah. crazy. It's crazy.
2: And she says the word drugs. Like yes. she, she uses this. It's not, she's not, not masking <laughs> it's it. It's just like-, you know, like, but if you just listen to it on the surface level, she's mad at a guy. Like I said before, like yeah. if surface level, she's angry at this, you know, no good boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. Who's always running in the streets and getting involved with gangs and whatever. Yeah. But it's a, obviously as, as we're, Singing right now, it's right. a much bigger message, mm-hmm. yeah. and she's speaking to a much message. broader problem.
1: And and that actually is, I think, the gist of the album between the interludes and and, and mm-hmm. a lot of the songs, uh, especially one of the songs we're about to play here, is that it is a much larger, much stronger message that uh, that was aimed at uh, at that time. I think, yeah, George Herbert Bush's America, yeah. Sure. It was because that was such a And illness. saying, Hey, you know, we have a chance now and you got we got your ear.
3: Yeah, but it was like it was the... all are still
1: fucking up, but we got your ear and and yeah. then she, she lays it out like this and this is and I am mildly ashamed that like when I heard this song and this album when I was a kid, like this is I'm like, what's the problem? Right. And this helped me realize what the problem was. It right. was so living mm-hmm. in a world they
0: didn't make. Mm-hmm.
1: They didn't uh, make that is one of the most direct statements on this album. Like, if you need to know what this album is about, that's yeah. it. That and Rhythm Nation, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and she sinks right into ballad mode. She sinks mm-hmm. right into like, mm-hmm. oh, what you would expect from Janet mm-hmm. Jackson
4: mm-hmm.
1: or anybody singing about this stuff. And uh also at that point in history, uh, these. Message songs were uh, de rigueur. I mean, it was like you had to have it on your album and stuff. You didn't. What was weird is to have it have it a whole album be that. And for th- for that, like, I love that song, and and it is one of the more important songs of the album, I think, because it it is kind of a thesis or co thesis. But uh, you know, it it was kind of like, oh shit, she didn't really have to do that, no. but she did.
2: She didn't have to at all. You didn't have to, like, take it as far as she does with this song in terms of
1: think about the messaging. I mean, think about it in terms of, like, Sting. Yeah. Dream of the Blue Turtles. So you put Russians on there. This is totally yeah. different, like... Yeah. She's
2: being very direct. Yeah.
0: But, like, yeah.
2: But so, one thing I've always... Yeah. This is this is a sidebar, maybe. But one thing I've always found interesting. So Whitney did Greatest Love of All, right? Yeah. And the first line is, I believe the children are our future. mm mm-hmm. Right? first line of this is basically yep children are the future but they're living in an adult world that we created and it's really shitty yeah and it's an interesting i i i am not the creator of this at all but i definitely saw something somewhere about like is that a dig is this janet's dig at that notion that like children are our future and we should celebrate you know like this this like happy go lovely kind of thing let let me ask
1: you let me ask you to that point does it have to be a dig
2: no it doesn't have to be a dig at all be- because that's what i'm saying like it's just interesting way, in different perspectives yeah, 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 yeah.
1: here's why conversations and dialogues happen it's like when whitney said and had a mega didn't
2: write the song didn't you know right yeah. but but she sang it she she sang was it. the voice absolutely
1: yeah. and so those words come out of her mouth mm-hmm. and then so all of a sudden some people are thinking actually this directly relates to us in our view of uh, margaret price's recent thing uh you know and she says the thing and opens up a conversation. So mm. like this, this basic—I don't mean basic in the term like basic
4: bitches. Like I mean, <laughs> I mean spice latte of songs. I mean, th-
0: th-
1: this basic sort of uh, honest truth is laid out there, and then mm-hmm. uh, it becomes part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, "Okay, that's good." It- can we add to it? Is, take it, it just one it, step, take it another step further. It, is yeah. it, is it an additive truth or is it just simply a truth? And in mm-hmm. that case, it's a, it
3: isn't, it is a Absolutely. truth that's open to addition. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I wanted to say again, like the, the key, the key to this album. Okay. So like cont- you know, framing this in the context of like music of this era, because I, I, I hope that people, if, and I think everybody else would agree, that if you listen to this album, listen to other music that existed in this era so you can understand how great this album is by comparison mm, to sure, everything else sure. that came out in the same era. So like the beginning of the song here always reminds me of um, Tevin Campbell's Tomorrow, <laughs> which is off of Quincy Jones' Back on the Block, which came out in 1989, which was a huge thing for Quincy because it was like-
1: Tevin Campbell of Graffiti Bridge fame? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Tevin <laughs> Campbell of
3: Graffiti Bridge Frame. You better believe it. That's, so so yeah. Tevin has a song called Tomorrow that starts off very dewy and it's like tomorrow will bring better you, mm-hmm. better me and it's like very like ersatz and kind of BS but it was it was a hit for for Tevin and because that's where culture was at. Yeah. Because again, my mom had five credit cards. Life was pretty good. I mean I, I mean like you know my mom also thought that like you know like AIDS was gay cancer, but you know like mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of where society was too hopefully she's evolved that view. Yeah, she has but you know like that's this is a point to where this album fits in society overall it was honest and it was frank i mean there's parts of this song that sound like uh you know like can you stand the rain by new edition yeah which is a song that again is very benign like a lot of r&b at this point is incredibly banal Like, I'm trying to think of every adjective, every synonym I could think of for for basic, because that's where (laughs) music was at this point, especially black music. Like, so much of it was, like... Are you talking about
1: the entire Teddy Pendergrass catalog? No, I'm not. That's a whole other conversation that we'll have. Sorry, Sarah.
3: That's not even true, but, you know, like, I mean... I know. Yeah, not even... But uh, but no, so, like, a lot of this stuff is so banal and so benign and so basic and so absurd. You're like, I love you, girl, right. but you don't love me. <laughs> I'm going to sing a song about... No. Mm-hmm. But in the context of that sound, in the context of that sonic framework for those songs, you have a song like this that is literally like, okay, so we're going to have a frank conversation mm-hmm. about reality and about mm-hmm. the future of the universe. And we're not going to use any sort of terminology that makes you feel any sort of namby-pamby sort of way about it. Which I think one of the things about this album that makes it great is that that's what happens. You're just like, oh, okay, so I have to listen to the words here.
2: Right. And again, it's another one of those reality check. Right. Number one. But, but first, I should say, first you're you you're in the moment of the song. And like you said, the sonic construction of it is is a very welcoming space. Right. You know, in terms of the song itself,
3: because every other song in that era was very much right. Like, so you get yeah. that
2: you get that welcome with the with the sonic construction. You get this wake up call, like oh shit, yeah yeah, this is not great. But at the same time, you're comforted in a way because you're like, we can make this better,
4: right?
2: You know, and and that again, that where every every song on this album, this is a perfect example, gives you all these emotions at once, where you you feel frustrated but hopeful you feel angry yet comforted you feel a call to action and and you feel like you could actually make a difference
1: yeah mm-hmm. and isn't that the way like art supposed isn't it's supposed i feel to like do? that's
2: exactly what janet does with
3: everything yeah guys is this the best album in 2017 no, it is. And I want to mention Perhaps why. Perhaps
2: one of the most necessary right, And I want to mention yeah,
3: why, yeah. because I want us to play all right, because it would be yes. remiss of us to okay. not play all right. All right. All right. Because let's play all right, and then let's talk about it. Because okay. the key to this thing is that people think that, like, people forgot for a long, long time that, like, the great artists can say, like, one word and make everything all right. So, yeah. like, Kendrick Lamar... It's Pimp Butterfly. Yep. And all he had to say on that album was, We're going to be all right. Mm-hmm. And it made the entire record, this dark, angry record, like liberating in a way that, I, like. I
1: agree with that. And, and also, it, it, people. it opened it up like that. And uh, the song, I think it was right before it, where he says hypocrite, and then it goes into
3: all right. Right. That opened it up to. Right. So these kids live in a world they didn't make, but ultimately. On right. a new Jack Swing song that features a remix that
4: Which involves, this is
3: it, Which this follows it, you should right. point out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a, the remix uh, Alright, like, that's not on this album, features Heavy D.
1: Yes! Can we talk about
3: that? Heavy D, one of the great unsung, like, A&Rs, artists, producers, all around hip-hop people in the history of the culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's in there, and the video features... Um the, the, the Tap Dancing brothers, their names escape me. But they're in the video. The Nicholas Brothers. The Nicholas Brothers and Cab Calloway. This is why I'm here. I yep. Are in the video. And <laughs> uh, that's why I was glad you were here, do you but...
4: know this, How do video? I know that?
3: <laughs> no, but it's the Okay, so like think about it. Like in the video for, for Alright, there is Heavy D and Cab Calloway right. and the Nicholas Brothers, and she's wearing a suit just like they yeah, are. Yeah, she's wearing the zoot suit, and it's like she's killing it, yep. and it's like and it's full color. The
2: choreography is dope.
3: Yes, so like everything else, everything else with Rhythm Nation is like black, white, gray.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. You got these pops of color in the video. Very thoughtful, yeah. like composition there. And then you
3: look at all right, and it's like a carnival.
2: Everything is. Yeah, but there's another song on the record that tapes all that even one step further. Yeah, we're, not yeah, gonna right. get, we're not quite there yet. But. Right.
3: But yeah, but, but all, right all Right is again. But, but again, uh, uh, the point also about this too is that Janet Jackson, people who love dance music, Janet Jackson in, in Throb and All Right has created two of the greatest dance songs in mm-hmm. the history of all dance. Jacksons do bro right but it's, it's what it's, the Jacks well. but it's like but <laughs> it's again if you sound, listen yeah, to this record down. not Jermaine fuck that you, dude you lose oh, oh you don't have to take your clothes <laughs> off
1: man I took I read the room wrong and took it down yeah. let's just listen
3: to a song and we'll talk anyway, about
1: this dance Marcus. it out
4: Marcus dance it out yeah, right. dance
3: it out yeah. Yeah. so good
2: Further with a different track. Right,
3: right, right. All right, all right, all, not right, just, all right. It's not That's just all fucking... right, but but I mean, you, buddy, that song is so good. Like, okay, so like you know, like we had had that conversation earlier about how like people like like again when I was in fifth grade we had these conversations as to whether you know Teddy Riley was better than Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Yeah. and there's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Going right, being into, the yeah. being, going right being into being the better Teddy Riley, going right at being Teddy Riley, Than Teddy Riley, Teddy Riley <laughs> which is fascinating because then you listen to and, and so like so again like you know like being you know tying the whole thing in a circle. Then you go to like remember the time, which is like right. Teddy Riley attempting to be as good at being Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis himself as Jimmy
2: Jam and Terry Lewis were being him.
3: Right, it's it's fascinating, but yeah, it's just a really just. Well constructed song, everything about it's great. Like it just uh, the, if if you're a fan of production, as fuck. Right, if you're a fan of if you're a fan of production, the 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 drums that have like the the filter on them and the clothes there.
2: It has a heaviness, yeah, but a lightness yeah. at the same right. time, and the way that the, the there are these little moments with these multi layered harmonies where you're just like, oh wait, what happened? Yeah, you know, and it's it's yeah. just. All of it, all yeah. of it put together is such a
3: beautiful song. So great, and everybody should watch the video because the video, video is dope. The uh, the the extended dance like break. Is that another in the video is phenomenal.
2: Yes. Yeah. No. And she again, she can be super sexy while wearing a zoot
3: suit. suit. <laughs> yeah. And and knock in the choreography there, it's incredible. Like again, you have like literally in that video, there's like. You know, fifty years of African American brilliance in dance that's celebrated, and then you like yeah you throw like heavy, and then you throw heavy D's rap on top of it yeah and it's like and it's like relevant at that point because you're just like okay boom, and it's everything yeah but but what actually is everything is what we're talking about next
1: yes the song yeah. so it should be noted that for this album this album that is. A time traveler's no. guide to just being a good human. I think, yeah. and, and like what what messages we need to need here. Um, seven top five singles,
0: mm-hmm.
1: of course, mm-hmm. and that's actually I think a, a feat that hasn't been repeated. I think she
2: mm, probably not. And this yeah. was the fir- this was what the third single,
1: yeah. And this was and, and the weird thing was, like I was saying to Marcus before you got over here, Timothy, is that. This was not a publicly well received album, right? As a whole, it was a grower. Critically, people were just like fucking hey. like dude. And critics picked up on like, wow, she really like plugged into the hip hop scene. She plugged into the dance scene, the all this stuff. But um, but as far as MTV was concerned, fuck all that. Like, and but she had the singles. And moved units because of singles and, mm-hmm. and so that gets to an interesting point about this and about social commentary and albums. If an album like this accidentally ends up in somebody's hands who wouldn't necessarily become activated, like what's the worth of that?
3: Right. And it's amazing. So I want to make a, a point in in relation to that. Okay, so like this album was the biggest thing on B T. Yeah. When it first hit. And then it was, like, it dodged into MTV territory with Mm -hmm. the Rhythm Nation video. And then it, like, dodged back out and went straight back to BET for every other single until Black Cat, when it jumped back on MTV and exploded. Mm -hmm. But then, like, when you got, like, All Right, All Right was, like, literally on every single BET show
0: for an entire, like,
3: for for almost an entire year. Like, you couldn't uh, escape it. In, in the black consciousness, and especially like, you know, a, a channel like BET that specialized in black entertainment. Mm. And it was fascinating because the whole time, the thing is selling mainstream albums. Yeah. So like, there was an intriguing thing with like the sound of this record and the visual of this record. Like the visual of like an African-American woman being dominant and powerful and controlling the narrative didn't play very well except for when it was so over the top mm-hmm. and like beating you in the face where like I have to wear all black and it has to be damn near techno and yeah. I have to wear the yeah, key yeah. earring and create this thing that is so undeniably pop or I literally have to bare my body. Right. Yep. To to get, you know, like the mainstream to understand. But the music was such that like the record just kept selling, and across radio, it just kept doing what it did. And it's fascinating because when you look at, like, say, like Beyonce now,
0: yeah, Beyonce
3: sure. dominates both sides in the narrative. She was able to put out an entire, well, she was able to put out an entire album as a video.
1: And I'll say the first. Right. This may be just a simple lack of knowledge on my part, but I, I would say like her Lemonade is the immediately analogous album to this, and it's the first one I can think of in, like, so many years. Possibly Lauren Hill. Possibly.
0: But, yeah, but, but, but there, Lauren, isn't Lauren, the Lauren quite, there isn't more... the
2: same diversity in terms of the kinds of songs right, right.
0: on Lauren Miseducation yeah, that yeah. there is right. on Rhythm Nation. And, and, yeah. it's, and
1: it's
3: very aggressively political. Right. right. It's weird because, like... Okay. Interesting. So the music industry hasn't let black women... Try to make Rhythm Nation since Rhythm Nation came out. That's, I think, the greatest legacy of Rhythm Nation. It was like I was thinking back on it, and like you know, like working in and around the industry, like I do, like you're just like, okay,
1: it should, be, it should, should, be noted before you before you continue down that path. Though, is like the music industry didn't let her make this. They told them to get the
3: fuck out. Right. Yeah. So. So, but it's one of those things that once the record came out and once it pushed units, and it was like, okay, we can't avoid it, and it's pushing units, and it's cool, and yeah. and the kids like it. Okay. Cool, we're right behind it. Since that point, like people have come close to Rhythm Nation, and dodged to the left of it and to the right of it, and it's intriguing in the sense that like you have like black executives now in the industry too, who are who push artists to the left and to the right of Rhythm Nation. Mm-hmm. Like you never touch on making the right. record that is sexual and political, that is like progressive yet regressed in the way that the voice comes out of the the body like it does all of those but you haven't had a record since then until like the point of lemonade right that's done all of that stuff and been able to like walk straight down the middle which is fascinating
2: yeah that's that's an interesting i hadn't really thought about it in terms of connections that way and i think that that might be one of the most important things about it is that it is a landmark record and that stands on its own in so many different ways. And the repercussions of this record are still being felt right? in terms of impacting or influencing current artists.
1: Yeah, Beyonce had to
3: own her label.
2: But also, yeah, this this idea that...
3: Years.
1: It took almost 30
2: years. It's taken a long time for for anyone to be able to get to a place where they can well, let's and let's be honest at this point janet could do whatever she wanted to do Yes, yeah. she didn't need a right i mean she had a she child is, 50. No, when it and when and when this was happening you know there was this constant back and forth with her and madonna mm-hmm. constant back and forth with her and michael mm-hmm. you know yeah. she signs the biggest record deal of all time and then he turns around and then signs a bigger one yes. like yeah. days later like damn, yes. yes come on let her have her moment right um but Still, and and that's what that's what I I think I get so frustrated right now with this with this conversation about well, Justin should in, should invite Janet to the Super Bowl as a as an right. apology. Right. You know what? Fuck Justin
0: inviting <laughs> her anywhere. Yeah.
2: Janet doesn't, and Janet first of all doesn't need anyone to do anything for her, and she never has. Right? Let's just be clear. Yeah. Janet does not need to go and will not be anywhere she does not want to be. Yeah. And. Stop giving him the power in this situation. Stop right. giving Justin Timberlake the power by well, suggesting that he should invite her. her. You, you know we're
1: in 2017. I'm, but she this is, is what I'm saying. And yeah.
2: It is all fucked up. It always has been fucked up. Yeah, but it's yeah, a perfect example of, and I'm just going to go on this short little tangent and then I will, I will leave it alone. But this example of the 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 white male dominance of the industry right. mm-hmm. positioning themselves as the place of authority yeah. even by way of suggesting that Justin Timberlake should in, should extend the olive branch to Janet fuck that Janet doesn't need him she doesn't need the super bowl she's currently selling out a tour yeah. after having had a baby at 50 yes and she's killing it and 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 this record is really that that you know she set it in control she reaffirmed it with rhythm nation and she continued on that path ever since of like, I'm gonna do what I want when and where I want to. And I don't need anyone holding my hand. Mm-hmm. I don't, because the next record, or maybe it's not the next record, but she literally drops ja- Jackson from her name. Yeah. It's yeah. just Janet. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't even need my family name. I don't yeah. need anyone. I can do this on my own. And guess what? Y'all can too. Yep. And that's the legacy of this record. And so for it to really, as we're sitting here, making the connection between Rhythm Nation and Lemonade, there are a lot of projects, I think, in between that time period where where parts of them fit into this kind of uh, concept, right? Mm-hmm. But to have a whole piece, you know, or a whole project kind of fit in that same space, I don't think it's possible... And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't. That's not a dig at any artist,
0: right? Right. For
2: yeah. not being able to achieve no, that no, no, by no, any no, means, no, right? No, we're not. We're not saying that. It's, it's just. It's amazing that she has been able to. To now, granted, there are lots of of, of women and particularly black women who have you know who created the platform that on which she stood at this time. Uh-huh. Yeah. She elevated that platform by you know. Yeah. Doing and being who being who she is and doing what she does. But she she's very aware of that legacy and very aware of that platform that she stands on.
1: Well, the, yeah. And and the thing about You are you're thousand you're percent right in that in that saying is that it's not bad that people have not necessarily done this. Right. This is really hard to do. Make no mistake. Like mm-hmm. this is like anybody who's like out there being like Oh, she was just born with it. Like, no. No, is, she was
2: just born with it. Oh, well, it's, you know, she had Jimmy's dad and Terry Lewis or, oh, she had this or, oh, she had that. You know what? Again, stop making excuses yes, exactly. and giving other people is, the this is, the power in yeah, the situation. Exactly, Can, exactly. She, so, yeah, so Terry wrote a lot of lyrics and Jimmy did a lot of the stuff. It's no, no, a collaboration, but there are moments and, where it is all just her.
1: and it, And this is just motherfucking work. Mm-hmm. This is how you do something like this. When, you know, this is, the second time, weirdly that I've mentioned Margaret Price in, in mm. this discussion, and the reason is because when we reviewed her album is she tried to do something like this mm-hmm. and it was really hard for us to talk about it because trying doesn't hurt.
0: No.
3: Right.
1: I was right. Like- and yeah. and so lots of people have tried and lots of people have done like a single. Lots of people have gotten part way there and stuff. And and like you said, it's not a slight.
2: It's not. No, not at all. And what's what's the I think the main difference here for me, too. And clearly, I feel a certain way about Tana Jackson. I'm not even going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and their complete omission of black women. We're not even going to go there. That's a whole other podcast. That's, it that's, is. I think it is. by um, itself. It is. A pod, it. I mean, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, because yeah, like, should. you know, Darlene Love, I think, was the last black woman inducted. Yes. And up until that point there, I actually have a list. And, you know. It's, it's women, but as part of the backup singers for a group, right? you know, Janet has been eligible for a very long time and, and, you know,
0: yes,
3: whatever,
2: but, but, you know, continues to be either not nominated at all, like this year or nominated and not voted in.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Shaka Khan is, is up again this year, but with Rufus, not as a solo artist.
1: Right. Jesus
2: um, so there are, I have a lot of that. And <laughs> you cannot take that from me, Marcus. I am writing that piece. No, you, no, by it's the way. All good. Oh.
3: no, no, it's all good. <laughs> you can
2: have it's, the other one. It's all love. But, but this it's whole idea of, 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 you know, people imit- imitating what Janet did. And I think that's the key kind of thing you kind of touched on was yeah. that, that there is a level again, and I bring it back to this idea of authenticity that you cannot make a Rhythm Nation record if you're trying to make a Rhythm Nation record. Nope. That's exactly it. Right. You either do it or you don't, all on your own. Yep. If you are striving to be anything other than who you are and do anything other than what you do, you're not going to achieve this kind of a level that Janet does and that so many artists do.
1: Yeah, preach. You know? that's, That's literally it.
2: We cannot continue to say, well, this is her that and this is his this it's theirs mm-hmm. it's it's theirs alone and it is very clear when artists attempt to to duplicate yeah. someone else's success someone else's success or use that blueprint I really like
1: XYZ but I'm not necessarily committed to it.
2: Right. Or I can do I I'm going to imitate 75% of this record but by omitting that 25% yep. of whatever else you you therefore negate the entire equation.
3: Right. Really. Yeah. I just it's all good. We can.
1: Yeah, I know how I feel about. That. No, that's no, that, no. No, that, that, me, that that's the, That's the point of this fucking whole discussion. It's yeah. like why this album resonates. Why this album thirty years after the fact? Almost, thirty years. I mean, you, you, it, 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 and that's why I started with a joke about time travel. Mm-hmm. Like the thing she's talking about, like it is either like we have not, I either she time travels or we have not learned. Both. Both. Yeah. So she is a time traveler.
2: I think so. No, fuck absolutely. yes. <laughs> no, her music.
3: No, <laughs> I mean musically, her music. I'm so does. excited
2: about that. It's if there's amazing. one quote we need in 2017, it's it's time to give a damn. Let's work together.
3: Right. Yes. Hundred percent. So
1: she just she just like popped in like oh fuck. So
3: and then so I wanna, and, like I'm gonna put this so on the record. I want to make a I want to make another point about um, empowered African American uh, singer songwriters in this era. Like I think that like. Solange's record, mm-hmm. the greatest strength of Solange's record, it's is hers. That, is that it's hers? It's her. her. And she is an empowered Black woman on a record. Um, strength to the Khalila record we mm-hmm. talked about is that she is an empowered Black woman. You would
1: have heard earlier this week. Yeah,
3: right. Is that yeah. she's an empowered Black woman on a record? Yeah. The strength to even Rihanna's record that came out last year. Yeah, which is great. Is that she is an empowered Black woman. On a record, like "Love on the Brain" is great because she's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sing a girl group song in the middle of my album, right? And mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense with the rest of this album, but it's gonna be dope. But it's gonna be dope. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be bad. so. Yeah, and-, well, and there's
2: that. That brings up this whole idea too that that not everything um, that is a form of resistance or a form of empowerment or you know, a message has to be militant or angry or aggressive or, you know, in your face, like joy is resistance.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: And by inserting joy throughout these projects in different places, it it, it's an affirmation.
1: Right. Right. Joy joy and, and, and knowledge and, and acknowledgement Mm -hmm. is resistance. Mm -hmm. I think, I think if you can build on what, you look if you look to your left your right like right now I'm looking at you guys I'm like yeah this is good right right we're in the basement you got a cat sleeping behind you a kitten sleeping behind you Timothy Kitty. and like there, there there is so we know how this feels like right now we're talking about this album and then it is how do you get that vibrating outside besides yeah. what we're talking in the mics because I mean that's yeah. iTunes the <laughs> yeah. answer yeah. but 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 it is that it is that uh that intent of stuff and if you're talking about the music industry then they have a very like put it in just physical physical products in terms of like metaphysical ideas so she was just like i have this idea how do i do it Mm -hmm. she could have the african-american history museum didn't exist but she could have Curated that she could have gone to speak at conferences, she could have done all this, but instead she did this. This is right. her outlet, and and, and so it's a, it's a truism, a universal, some tap in somewhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is vibrating out mm-hmm. and figuring out how to do that because you you aren't Janet Jackson, first of all and you're probably not going to get a record deal. You're certainly not in 2017 going
3: to get a record deal like this. Mm. Right. Mm. <laughs> so the record
2: deals that sh- the kinds of record deals that she had simply do not exist right. anymore. Uh, and so, they haven't um, for quite some time. Yeah,
3: so again, it, it speaks to the point that I always make down here mm-hmm. is that um in the, the, the there there's no there's no like money money in the music industry right. anymore. So the there's there and the thing about not having money in the music industry is that on one level it restricts the music you could make. But on another level, it empowers the music you can make because there's absolutely there's indeterminable worth in your creative process.
1: Well, I th- I think it highlights that you should be doing taking every single chance, like, you make can, whatever you and want, be, and being honest because the reality is the hard reality is you're not going to make it right. So unless you do that,
3: yeah. So it's it's crazy. That's what makes this album even crazier. Is like. I think the music industry in 89 sold something like $10 billion in the United States worth of music, which is just astounding. Like, it doesn't get to like the 15s and 20s of like the, 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 mid, the late 90s, early 2000s. But there were like, there's like $10 billion in the music industry at this point. Mm. So, like, there is no incentive to make a politically charged like, a, a, a record as an African American female vocalist. There's every incentive to make a Whitney Houston album. And not that her albums weren't like, you know, like bad because they were politically charged, but those records like spoke to a very specific kind of style of like aspiration and love and kindness. Right. And again, very banal kind, of kind of uplift. And Janet Jackson, in the midst of all of that, where she could have made money on top of the money she was already making from the astounding like, you know, deal that she signed. She instead decided to make an album in Rhythm Nation that is angry, political, thoughtful, progressive, and like worthwhile in a way that cannot be, you know, denoted through, you know, like financial transaction, which is crazy. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's absolutely not, it's, crazy. it's
1: not crazy, it's what like artists should do.
3: Right. But yeah. but again, there was your, no... your
1: museum is lousy with people who did exactly
3: what he's talking about. Right. Yeah, right. but it's but again, there's like but again, people need to understand there was absolutely no financial incentive for Janet Jackson to make this no, album. Right. And that's right. the takeaway. Right. Right. Zero at this point. Zero. Like there was every incentive for Jada Jackson to strip naked and run down the streets and sing, you know, I love men. And men are great. But she didn't make that yeah, album. Control at all. too.
1: Except I'm not in control. Like right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right.
2: I mean, yeah. and the, the but the bottom line too is that that an artist of her stature at that time didn't even have to make a record period. Yeah. yeah. She did she didn't even need to do anything
3: else. Right, control is that, that,
2: that, that also that is also a thing that I think is really important to remember um or to consider when you think about Janet's overall legacy is that like so many other artists, she didn't have to do shit for us. It's not no, it is for it is for us and right. she recognizes that but at the same time she it's, doesn't owe us no. anything and and I'm this empty. idea that artists you know like we deserve to have you know whatever kinds of records we exactly. want from artists number 1 is bullshit but but she's doing this because it's it's what she wants to do it's what she loves to do and she wants her voice to be heard and she wants her message to get across and she wants to give at the same time, give something to her fans that they will enjoy.
4: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that
2: will be hopefully empowering for them because, you know, you, you get to like Jay-Z's last record. He didn't have to put that out. No, he no. doesn't have to, Jay-Z doesn't have to make a record again as long as he lives.
3: Exactly. Either
2: does Beyonce. Exactly. Right. Let's just be real. They yeah. don't have to do anything. They don't need but, a check right, <laughs> for but, a record. But, but
1: what muddies the waters with that is, is, and I one hundred percent agree with you, uh, is that for them at least, it it took to getting a lot of paper to get to that point. Right, and, and, that's, and that's that's and, the balance, and, right? Is that is that once you have, say, have what, that, yeah. What's yeah. what's the line? It, and, and I think what we we actually say with this podcast in general, writ large, is that like you don't. Like, yeah, dude, it's important. Mm-hmm. So, we, we all gotta make a living, but you have to fucking do that. If you have lemonade in you, do it. Do it.
3: But, right. uh, and make, if
1: nobody listens to it, fuck it. Oh wow.
3: make it again. Um, I'll make the deeper point that, like, and and Timothy, you'll probably agree, given you know, like, museum. Um, great black artists make the music that black people need, because for the most part. Yeah, that's actually right. Because for the most part, as a black person, I can say this, we're not going to listen unless you give it to us in a way that makes us feel the intent of what we need to do.
0: Hmm.
3: Like, if if it's not felt, it doesn't resonate like Black it Mus- Black Messiah. Right. Or or I mean even even as much oh, as man. like, you know, like the song that makes people move the most right now is Bodak Yellow. <laughs> Why? Because it's, it's real. It's real and Cardi yeah. B literally comes Cardi out- B owns it. Yes. She's like I don't have to dance anymore and I am going to buy these Louboutin like shoes mm-hmm. because And I'm going to write a dope rap about it. Right. Because I have succeeded. And that's the thing. And that's the thing And about- my
2: definition of success is mine. Right. Yours yeah. is different.
3: Right. But you know, and yeah. that's
2: really key too, is that it's not necessarily about matching anyone else's right. definitions about anything right. at all. And yeah. I mean,
3: like, yeah. and, and, that's, and I think that's, that's, that's why this album is important this year because the records that have succeeded the most this year, especially in urban music, black music, like, you know, we use urban and black synonymously. like the music industry does. Um... It's like 444, which is Jay-Z like ethering like the like black male dogmatic understanding of what rap music is supposed to be for black men. It's it's brilliant in that way. Like an album like this at a time in America where black people didn't quite know what to do or where we fit because we had eight years of Ronald Reagan and then we're going to have another eight years of George Bush yeah what like this is weird so what do we do and then it's like jada jackson's like well we're gonna do this and 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 we're also gonna save time for love and having fun and dancing and
2: that's and exactly and that's that's kind of to bring it back to where we were and kind of where we're going with the last song on the record is this notion that 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 it's okay to take a minute and be happy and celebrate, and mm-hmm. and again that joy is resistance kind of mantra that like, yeah, dance it out, yeah. sing it out, you know, be in whatever space um, provides you that escape and provides you that um, that safe space where you can do whatever it is that makes you feel happy. Mm-hmm. And she does; she presents that to us with yeah. escapade, and it's a very you know. Literally, you know that song is about taking a vacation and yes. getting away. and yeah. I just got paid, so let's do something fun. and yes. you know, I'm so excited to whatever, whatever, whatever. It's Friday. you know, and it's and it's great. and it's a it's it's a beautiful, uplifting, happy song, you know, and but at the same time, like given the context of the rest of the record, we also know that it is a much bigger message than that. that right. it is that notion that, okay, y'all, we can't we can't be all heavy all the time. Yeah, right. You know, like we have, we, we, we know what, what work we have to do. Mm-hmm. We know what, you know, Monday's going to bring, yep. Yeah. but for right now, let's just take a break. Let's go and do whatever it is that finds us joy mm-hmm. and be in that moment. And, but be in that moment together.
3: Yeah, yep. This makes like Johnny Kemp's just got paid. So I'm like, you know, like it's like the, 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 the part B to that in a way that is so fun. Yeah. But yeah.
2: And mm-hmm. it's, but it's that. She the the song, you know, she's got moments where she's, you know, by herself where she's with, you know, her man or whatever it is. Yeah. And in this moment she's speaking to you yeah. and me. And so she's cool. speaking to everyone, saying, like, come along with me mm-hmm. and let's just be in this place together.
1: See the, uh, waiter I didn't know fruity drink <laughs> i I was taken on a, on a voyage and, so I, and it, was, it was an escapade if you will we were uh, just
2: saying how how she introduced the word escapade to an entire generation of people yeah. you think oh yeah no really because
1: I was upstairs okay. like,
2: because I mean i I was like okay escapade that much that's like escape right mm-hmm. like I didn't yeah but I, you never who uses escapade in their daily life.
3: Like I was Okay. I, yeah. I was I
1: a, did use jubilant in the past two hours. You so did. Possibly Fair. me. No,
3: but I'll tell you, I was a I was a I was a three time spelling bee champion. Okay. In elementary school. So this this ties into this in the sense that like I could spell the word escapade mm-hmm. and sure. I could spell the word... I'll edit this out but where all the words like <laughs>
4: <laughs> And he's out <laughs> <laughs>
3: Sorry. <laughs> all right, I'm back. So, um, so no.
4: I'm so, not editing that out. <laughs> so, I'm
3: back. They're beating up Kevin. But, uh, in any event, um, no, I'll go, I'll go, I'll do um instead of like. How about that? Okay. That's you fine. Go, um, Very, so, fair enough. So, okay. So, in any event, I did, I had like, there's a like. Um, uh, I would attempt to spell word. I would, I would spell words. Now you can't talk. And I'm I didn't, sorry, no, yeah. I hate you. <laughs> But I uh, so I would I would I would, I knew how to spell words, but I didn't know what they meant. So a word like escapade came around, and it was like because it was on the radio all the time, mm-hmm. you had to suddenly like get the sense of what the word actually like meant, and that was fascinating.
2: Well, and you had to go if you were me, you had to go to your library and look up Ooh. escapade in a dictionary yeah, because right. there was no googling of anything. At yeah. That time
3: speaks to brilliant songwriting, so that was if
2: a song can get me to go look up a word, yeah, it that's, won
3: exactly. Yeah.
1: That's, that's what Again, I, I was 10 though, so you know, right in like northern they
3: had they had libraries up
1: there,
2: yes, we have a library. Was in it made my of cheese? hometown, was it made yes.
3: of cheese? Wow! It's a
2: beautiful brownstone building. Thank you very much. I, one of the one of the most am, historic look, and important of buildings is not in a, is the not city. A and I use "city" very no. loosely. When I say "city," I mean town of four hundred and seven people. Yeah, exactly. Four
3: hundred
1: seven. That's Timothy. That's why I asked.
0: <laughs> You're like <laughs> I'm aware. I, I know Don't Wisconsin. Get defensive. It's okay.
1: I love Wisconsin. All it Wisconsin is the best. But uh, it's true. There it is. So fair. Oh, Gus's.
2: Speaking of the new kitten in our
1: lives. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I guess the point we're landing on here is that Janet Jackson did it all with this album, right?
3: Yeah. Really well. She
1: got her pop cred. She had the pop cred, but she got her pop hits. Her bona fides. There it is. Uh, and uh, and she did it by making an album that was unapologetically political, unapologetically sexy, unapologetically Janet. And if it takes thirty years for somebody else to do that, like I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, Welcome to the wasteland. I mean, that's just, <laughs> like, I think what? that's
3: I think that's the the thing though, because it's like it's the thing where you, if you think about it. Um, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You came out in Aretha Franklin. Yeah. That came out in 67.
2: I want to say seven.
3: 67. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that it took 22 years. Right. Twenty, Yeah. Okay. Before this, before, actually, oh, yeah, it took, so that would say, yeah, it would take like 22 years before this record. So that's fair. A fair statement to make, I mean for female artists to be able to reach that level of security as an artist to be able to make the record that that right that this record is I think that's that's a fair statement to make i mean you if you get that every twenty to thirty years then well i I think that you know i I mean one would hope that we reach a level okay so i hope- I think that we reach a level now where we have more artists now, hopefully who are granted and afforded the ability to have that kind of emotional frankness on record and have it be recognized by pop culture as being worthwhile. And uh, in a a sense that makes it part of the cultural like lexicon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which this record did. Mm
2: -hmm. That's a whole other podcast too, is kind of tracing this trajectory of, of black women singers existing in the pop space right. who are who are you know in the beginning singing songs that are written for them and told what right. to do and Especially, then like aretha what, like even mm. like aretha like kim weston right. like you know you name them yeah. and 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 even earlier of course than them yeah. where what happens to get to this point um where where janet is with rhythm nation and all of the kind of stepping stones in between to a place that that Rhythm Nation is even able to be created. That's, again, a whole other podcast. But to really think about her, not just within, you know, like 1989 and 90, but the context of black women singer-songwriters, as you said, who finally are singing the songs they've written or collaborated on or produced. And we're to a point now where a, a certain generation wouldn't, even the next generation of, of singer songwriters cannot understand a world in which they don't have that freedom. Right. Right. And it's much in because of women like Janet Jackson.
3: Yeah. And that's the important part.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. Timothy, I need you to plug some stuff. The hip hop thing.
2: You need me to, pl- oh, need uh,
0: to yeah, plug oh you need to plug some yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah. yeah, because That's right. Like so so, like, no, I mean, to, to, we'll wrap it up Sidebar. more. We'll wrap this it up more. This so- is the,
2: the, the longest uh, podcast I've done with y'all. And I'm, I'm really glad it's because of Janet. I got to say. Fabulous.
1: Okay. Yeah. So we're, I we're, hope
2: everyone has been listening the whole time.
1: They will. They it's will. A, it, it's an, uh, but, uh, you, you know, this album is, uh, sort of a once in a lifetime thing, I think. Yes. And I and but there's no reason that people can't make it. I think we've we've laid out the case of like, just be honest with what you're talking about and understand the commerce. Is I mean, it spawned possibly like five other podcasts that were uh, conversations that we're mm-hmm, gonna have mm-hmm. here. And and this is one album, right? <laughs> like, and, right. and 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 we at,
2: honestly could have done a podcast about every song on this album. Yeah, yeah I easily. I, I,
1: easily. I 100% agree. Like it because whether or not Janet nobody had that intent either. Right. Like fuck, what if she did? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why isn't she like president of the universe? <laughs> like, I'm just serious. Like what if Janet Jackson literally had that intent on every doesn't single song? She not do anything
2: she doesn't want oh, to do. Oh my anything. fucking there it god. Is. This is
4: blowing my mind. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: So, uh, but (laughs) (laughs) wow. Okay. So, uh, people like, if you haven't, if you, if you aren't versed in this album, go back and revisit it, go back and listen to it, listen to it. Like Mm -hmm. I, I personally think this is more relevant today than it was in 1989. I think with the things that we're combating and the things that we have, uh, the stuff that she was addressing has actually just festered. And now we're at a place where we are like do or die. We have to deal with it or it is, you know.
4: It's the state you, of the world today. No,
1: you, you all like the new Mad Max. Fine. That's where, mm-hmm. that's where we go. Mm-hmm. Which the cats are going to get dog faces. They'll wear it. Gasoline will be currency and, and we're good.
3: Yeah,
1: Nobody wants that. None of us here want that. Right. Uh, But uh, so get out and get that. And then But part of the way we do that is, and this is where you plug, Timothy, is the work that you are doing. Because the conversation that you are opening up and the conversations that you are opening up and having with people, I think, are starting to change people. Because, first of all, that museum is for a lot of people right now. Like a target. Mm-hmm. and that's abhorrent because yeah. it's just history. And it's the truth. Yeah, it's the truth. And it scares people. Yeah.
3: If yeah. you walk into that museum, I'll tell you this because you mm-hmm. granted me the opportunity to walk through said museum. you Walk through the museum, like, and you're not, like, resonant. You leave and go back into the world, resonant with, like, the history mm-hmm. that you've, like, consumed. Mm-hmm. You're doing it wrong. Right. and yeah. and it's presented in such a way that you can't do it any other way but right because there's a million connective points, so if you haven't been to the museum, we'll tell people to go but uh to yeah, your yeah it's an
2: interesting balance right now because we are one of the most important places for a lot of people right today in terms of what's happening and mm-hmm. and 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 uh to have a space that feels like a home base and a safe space at that to come together and to begin this process of understanding that can then hopefully lead to healing because that's the big disconnect right like yeah. we're in this fuckery right now because we haven't had a full understanding of how we even got here
1: mm-hmm. I've I, I used the term in, in discussing albums this year the, the, the big bad which is like the Buffy term like we haven't figured out that there's a big bad mm-hmm. and, this, mm-hmm. and that's part of it
2: yeah, I mean part of it like, yeah, we you gotta be honest and it's what I was talking about in Chicago is is, is a lot of uh, this week is, is really resonating with me right now because a lot of these conversations about, okay, we gotta stop wallowing in how awful things are. What can we do now? You're what right. do we do? Right. How can we do it? And even the smallest things um can make a big difference. And that sounds, you know, cliche, but it, it's it's really, really true. And to provide you know, opportunities for people to have conversations that they might not otherwise have, um, because they have a better understanding of how to even begin that conversation. Right. How do you even start that dialogue within your friend circle, and then that hopefully spreads out to your you know broader community, and then maybe throughout your town or your city, and you start to really feel as though it's a you 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 not just that not just that it's okay to have the conversation, but that you are. Um, you're capable of it. You have a kind of a toolkit to engage with people. Yeah. A toolkit is a good tool. Good yeah. Term for and it. the way that a lot of people do that is through culture and through music and through understanding. Right. And so, you know, to have uh, like this conversation today about Rhythm Nation, you know, that could be an entry, fo- an entry point for people to understand what was happening in the late 1980s in this country. I mean,
1: that's, you know, literally and, why we... and as a
2: result, you know, again, we can't this country is not gonna get any better. It's not gonna heal until people really start to understand why and how we got to this point. Yeah. Like I'm really tired of the oh, how did we get here? Well the fuck we know how we got here.
1: Exactly. Open a fucking book. It's not like, it's right. not a mystery. <laughs> yeah, but it hasn't been mystery, properly yeah. shared. It hasn't been properly shared. And now and it so is. And and, and so when one of the things you're also doing to like part of this is the history of hip-hop
2: right? you're doing. which is a great lens into, like I said, using music, using culture, using art as a way into understanding the much um, larger picture in terms of, of our shared and collective history. And hip-hop yeah. is by far one of the best ways to get into that, whether or not you you know, want to listen to the music all the time, or it's, you know, your cup of tea. It's still a lens into those narratives. I
1: I, I would, I would suggest offer up this opinion that, um, what you guys are doing now with the, this, this Kickstarter that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Kickstarter that
2: ends on the 16th of November,
1: which this will be out. And this is why, is why we're talking about this because you guys have raised an obscene amount of money. Yeah. in a short amount of time, and you, you're going to clear the. You're, it's going to get done. Like that's not that's not I a really question. Hope so. But you guys partner with Folkways, and it's like for people who talk about understanding uh, us as Americans as a people, Folkways is a good way to do it. And people yep. are always associated with simply like, oh, this guy the banjo, this guy twanging. Eduardo actually interned there way mm-hmm. back in the day, mm-hmm. when you guys were kids. <laughs> um, and but. For people who need that in, I think looking at hip-hop as the way in, like mm-hmm. you said, especially early hip-hop, if you have a history laid out, and that's just fascinating as a music nerd that's fascinating to mm-hmm. me, I lived through it. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't heard it, and you don't have any black friends right. to you be and you just basically haven't crashed, been exposed to any it. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Of and and, and, and to, to sit down... And listen to this thing because art gets created out mm-hmm. of like communities and out of people's experiences. That yeah. that's that's how it. I know people are cynical and think it's all about the money machine, but it. And, and for Taylor Swift, sure, right. But what you guys are talking about and what this collection is going to be is not that. Not at all. It is. It was literally created out of people being oppressed by our system, but. Doing using what they had to make right. art, and and has become possibly the greatest American art form.
2: Right. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Absolutely. And the way that we're approaching the project is not um, like it's a greatest hits. You know, this isn't. There are going to no. be a lot of songs mm. on there that people maybe haven't really heard of. The idea is to really present each song, you know, um, as an artifact, if yeah. you will, and that that yeah. every. Every uh, extended track note that, that, that each song will get, think about it as an object label, you know. And so we've asked the contributors, there are over 20 different writers who have contributed to this project because it, it is not the Smithsonian's voice creating a definitive story of hip hop. Mm-hmm. It is multiple voices from within different communities within hip hop coming together to create a narrative that, that presents the, the journey. Yeah. You know, it's not going to have every single song that that matters to everyone. It's not going to have the highest selling or most award-winning songs necessarily, but it's going to present that that narrative of of history um through this lens of hip-hop and focusing on, you know, as many different elements and stories from within the multitude of hip-hop communities right. now. You right. know, and, and that it is a community-driven effort. And that's the key thing here is that we've assembled, you know, not just the best and the brightest in terms of scholars and the academics and the people who, you know, think they know everything about hip-hop, but actual people who've lived it and who have experienced right. it and who have created it and who are still doing so. And that's
1: the point about art, period, like mm-hmm. all this music. Because, like, mm-hmm. rhythm, to bring it back to Rhythm Nation, like, Janet didn't just, like, sit down and be like, I'm going to just fucking... She's so the world, crazy, right? She, like she lived it,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, all your fa- again, all your favorite, speaking arts. from a place
2: of authenticity, speaking from a place of you know, I believe in this, mm-hmm. and even with hip hop, you know, of course there are the, those moments of fantasy and of storytelling and of all of those things, but again, if you dig into the why, you know, why did those different right. kind of you know lanes start to to branch out of of hip hop? um is is really going to be a great thing so yeah so we are to to drop the plug you know we're we're as of today which you know is is about 11 days out from the campaign ending we just hit two hundred thousand dollars on the kickstarter and we have got forty nine thousand dollars more to go thank you um and basically what's dope about it is that you know you 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 pledge a hundred dollars and you get the thing yeah. It's like a pre-order. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. You know, which is right. like, like, okay, like boom, okay. that could be cheaper than the retail cost. We don't know. The whole point of the Kickstarter is to keep that cost down, to be able to pay for the the, the production and the licensing, which is like no small feat. Nope. Um, no, is, and make it more accessible to as many communities, communities as possible. I mean, you can spend $2 and just get updates. You can spend $100 and get the thing. You can spend $400 and get... This hip-hop anthology, plus the Lead Belly anthology, plus the jazz anthology by Folkways, which yes. to me
1: is the dopest package. The jazz anthology is the fucking... And it's going to
2: be still... And you get a digital remix of Folkways music from Ninth yeah. Wonder. You get all these amazing mm-hmm. rewards. Again, like $400, you wouldn't be able to get just these three anthologies for $400. Yeah. I'm just saying. Um, you know, but if you're a super high roller and you want to drop 10K, you can get a personal tour of the museum from Questlove. You know, like... It it's it's a range of
1: rewards and price points. I say that about our podcast. Say so if you want to drop ten K you can get a personal tour of the basement. <laughs> and so it doesn't it, it doesn't hold the same weight.
2: Right. I don't know if people are gonna sign up for that as much. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Oh.
0: <laughs> but,
2: but we you know, we really hope that that people will get behind the project and, you know, put their Put their faith in not just the Smithsonian, you know, put their faith in the community that hip hop has created Mm -hmm. to properly document and preserve these stories. Because, you know, I say all the time, it is not my job to be the voice. It is not my job to create the one narrative that is the be all end all, you know, definitive history of anything. It is my job to assemble the voices and to put them together and put them out to the world. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we're doing here.
1: Yeah, there it is. There it is.
2: So www.si.edu slash kickstarter.
1: Up in the show notes, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Dang. up in there. Uh, yeah, I, I love you guys. So thank you guys for, for Aww, hanging out like that. know. It. I, 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 I said so that, that means I, I can
2: take Sam home?
1: No. <laughs> Sam is Sam is Sam is the me, kitten that, that, that he just that, acquired you know uh, recently. <laughs> uh, and and uh, that was w- one of the things I wanted to talk about this album with you guys. Because it's just like, Thanks. this is uh i think this album's important i hope what we said illuminated a little bit of that importance and if at the very least if you guys are just like fuck Janet Jackson pay attention to what Timothy just said <laughs> because yeah. that, what what the work you guys are doing
3: is important um and look yeah. for
2: that piece then from Marcus about the CMA awards. It's yeah.
3: dropping soon. Yeah, that'll that'll I happen. just made you do it. No, just you now. I know you did. Yep. It's 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 happening. But
1: uh Marcus, I know you'll be back here probably I don't know, tomorrow. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably
0: tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Timothy, I hope you're back soon. Uh bring your mom again. That was that was that uh, was Yeah, the next lovely. time she's in
2: town, she you know, like just try to keep her away from here. That was absolutely that was was lovely. There. Uh yeah. so
1: rhythm nation eighteen fourteen kids. Uh do your favor, like Get some knowledge mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Get into it
1: And, and if, you, if you are like I grew up with that shit Revisit it Revisit it it's
2: gonna, Exactly it's, gonna
3: make it's, it's the knowledge that you really want It is the knowledge man. And that's the song we're going out of. Going Get. on Get Information keeps the strong What you do not know Can hurt you bad take it from me You'll be walking around
4: And For a better day I'm to educate For a better way so you wanna be in control you gotta get yourself in the know different knowledge that you really want. The knowledge do you really want me? It's the
1: knowledge. What you really want. The knowledge that you really want. Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814 for you right there. Uh I don't think we never we ever have to talk about that again. I think we got it all out, kids. Uh if you enjoyed that. Uh, spread the word about her album first of all, but then spread the word about this discussion. I think we've done a few uh, good discussions here, in over three hundred some episodes in this year podcast. But uh, this is this is one of my favorites, and uh, and this is that's why we why we do the thing that we do here because we get to really dive in and talk about not just really the music, talking about our culture around us and how the music integrates shapes and uh, sometimes predicts even where we're going to go and uh, Rhythm Nation certainly did that so uh, so yeah there it is, it's out there get acquainted, whatnot uh, if this is your first time listening to this podcast we thank you for tuning in if you liked it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes you can leave us a rating or a message there And you can also listen to us in Google Play Mix Mix Cloud and Stitcher. And uh, we are out there on the internets at www.chunkyglasses.com. Also uh, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, basically all at Chunky Glasses. You can also see, uh, besides this podcast, besides having these awesome discussions, most of them are not two hours, by the way. Um, you can uh, you can see the remarkable work of Matt Condon and Mauricio Castro out there covering live music every night of the week, more or less. Capturing uh, the the unique thing about DC is like it's a it's a, it's a big little city, the seat of power is here. So uh, we have the benefit of basically everything comes here, and so stuff that you would think you would see in New York only uh, comes here too. And, uh, and they're out there recording and all and uh, we have archives upon archives upon archives of their wonderful photography and, uh, and editorial work and reviews So you can check all that out uh, we're going to be back next week with some choice things like I said a lot shorter starting off on Monday we're going to be talking about Julian Baker's new album Turn Out the Lights is a, a deep dive in the pain and uh, so we're going to talk about that and then uh, Curtis Harding, a soul man from Atlanta. He has a new album out, uh, Face Your Fear, and uh, we're going to be talking about that. Mr. Dowling going to be on both of those. Also our friend Eduardo. So, so uh, you know, tune in. Let us know what you thought of this. Uh, tell your friends and whatnot, and uh, we'll be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. I still
4: hear
0: me <laughs>